Delef, door, to move, to hang, entrance. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I recounted my ways, and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teachings of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul is weary and sorrow, with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Amen. Uh, somebody's out there yelling. Okay, let's see here. Today is uh, 27 May. You already said, wait, March. Today's 28th. 27th of April. April. I got the wrong month twice, and now it's, and I ought to know what day it is. Um, Okay. It's 27 today, I assure you. I assure you. Yes. Uh, his dream was realized, but he wasn't there to see it. Milo P. Jewett was born in Vermont on April 27, 1808. He graduated from Dartmouth College, planning to become an attorney. However, after two years, he abandoned law and entered Andover Theological Seminary. He had a great interest in education and during his vacations from Andover, achieved prominence lecturing on the value of common school systems. He was one of the first proponents of quality public school education for all. Deciding that God intended him to be a teacher rather than a preacher, after seminary he took a teaching position at Marietta College in Ohio. While there, he was influential in developing Ohio's public school system. In addition to public schooling, Jewett was interested in education for girls, which he felt was neglected. In 1839, he changed his view of baptism and became a Baptist, leading him to resign from Marietta College. He then moved to Alabama, where he founded Judson Female Institute, which became the South's most successful school for women. In 1856, Jewett made the wealthy Matthew Vassar at the Baptist Church of Poughkeepsie, New York. He met the wealthy Matthew Vassar um, in New York, and the two men became friends. As their friendship deepened, Jewett talked to his friend about a rich man's duty to use his property for the glory of God. In response, Vassar excitedly told Jewett of his plan to will his significant estate to the formation of a hospital after his death. Much to Vassar's disappointment, Jewett did not share his excitement. Instead, Jewett shared his dream that Vassar would help him build and endow a Christian college for young women that would be for them what Yale and Harvard were for young men. Jewett campaigned hard, appealing to Vassar's interest in Sunday schools and missions. He appealed to his Christian duty to found a Christian school. He also appealed to his pride in Poughkeepsie, New York, and the opportunity to name the college after himself. Jewett succeeded in convincing Vassar to change his plans and his will. Vassar decided to use his wealth to found a woman's college in the name, in, in his name in Poughkeepsie during his lifetime. He abandoned his plans for the hospital and instead gave $400,000 to Vassar Female College. Jewett and Vassar worked together for the next few years, planning the school with Jewett as chief advisor in every area. There were some disagreements. Jewett wanted at least eight of the 13 trustees to be Baptist. Although Vassar wanted an evangelical school, he did not want it to be sectarian. 
In the end, he created a board of trustees from various denominations, but made it self-perpetuating so that it would remain true to its evangelical purpose. In 1861, Vassar's charter was granted and Jewett was named Vassar Female College's first president. The school had six areas of emphasis that the founders felt were lacking in current women's education. One of them was moral and religious education. Vassar was to have ethics classes, two chapels daily, Sunday services, Bible classes, and social religious organizations. Unfortunately, tension arose between the visionary and the benefactor. In 1864, Jewett resigned as president before the school even enrolled its first students. After years of work, Jewett walked away from the school that had been his dream from the beginning. After Vassar, Jewett moved to Milwaukee, eventually becoming the commissioner of public schools. His only other known contact with Vassar College was a gracious letter he wrote in 1873 to a Vassar trustee approving the course the college had taken. He expressed happiness in the humbling part I was permitted to bear in laying the foundations and building the rough scaffolding of the Grand Temple. I never could have overcome the obstacles you have vanquished in rearing the superstructure. Being advised of these from year to year, I have been long persuaded that it was best for myself as well as for the college that I left in 1864. Milo Jewett was not able to see his vision for Vassar College through to completion. Have you experienced not realizing some of your dreams? In hindsight, have you been able to see the reasons why they weren't fulfilled? In some cases, only we will only understand in the next life. Proverbs 16.9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. I thought it was a little bit brash of him to tell his friend what to do with his own money. Right. That is something. I didn't like that story at all. I didn't like it from the beginning to the end. I mean, a guy's got money. He's saying, you got to do this and not that. Hey, it's his money. Whether he earned it or whether he inherited it, it was his money. Uh, nowadays, it's the government's money. It doesn't matter if you have it or not. They're going to take it, so... Whatever. Um, okay, so um, we got a couple prayer requests. Uh, before I read them, I just had my wife walk in. Say, She's I been gone know. all week. Haven't seen her since last Sunday. A couple at church here, they live up in the villages, which is way, way north of here, and uh, they absconded with her. They took her after church, and I haven't seen her since then. Best and days of her life. Best days of her life. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, I, I was sitting there eating ploppy food, and it was a very difficult week for me. But... Um, I did get an occasional picture of where they were, and so at least I knew that she was, you know, it, she was sad and wanting to come <laughs> home to be with me. I could tell from every picture that she wasn't having a good time. And uh, yeah, wow, I'm telling you, it, it, really nice. He showed me some of the stuff they did, and uh, I thank you guys so much. That meant a lot to me. All week I've been thinking of how what a wonderful gesture. Um, okay, so here we have. Um, some prayers. I'm asking for prayers from the church uh, for my mom, Grandma Dorothy, who is in a hospital at the moment with some buildup of liquids in her body due to heart failure. This is having a debilitating effect on her, but I have had some lovely times with her today. I'm in Bolton, which is in the northwest of England, uh, below Scotland, but northwest of England. I am far, far away from Nikki and the kids. They will be listening to the Bible study either live or the next day from the bed from their beds at bedtime as usual while they sleep. This is Daniel over in the UK. Right. I don't think I said that. It would be really nice if you could also pray that Elsa, Samuel, Joel, and Grace would have good dreams. So we will include them in our prayers um, and Grandma Dorothy and the children. 
and um, and Elsa, uh, Elsa, Samuel, Joel, and Grace. And let's see here. Then Graham, over in Scotland, is back in the hospital oh. with pneumonia and sepsis. And so, uh, poor guy, he's just gone through years of really bad health, and uh, so he's back in there. That's not good. <laughs> um, it's just Jen's birthday. Too. It's Jen's birthday today? Just a few days ago. Oh, boy. Um, Ryan's cousin had a massive stroke Sunday morning. He's asking for prayers for her. And then Claudia has been having all, you know, she's been passing out and yeah. having all kinds of problems. She is thinking now it might be vertigo. And if it is, she's got something that uh, uh, may be able to help her. Uh, she's just, you know, uh, she'll find out when she gets that. But I know somebody else that has vertigo that, uh, vertigo, that uh, may be listening right now. And if um, he has any treatments or any suggestions, please email me and uh, uh, let me know what else we can do to help her. But that's what she's thinking it is. My son-in-law has it, too. Uh, is this like a season for It could be a season for vertigo. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the chance to come into your presence and to uh, uh, just uh, appeal to you for these prayer requests that were just laid before us and for um, uh, health and uh, restoration for them and uh, also good sleep for the children. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you would um, uh, uh, be with these people, help them through their sicknesses, and uh, just may your hand be with them. And Lord, uh, we thank you for all of the good and kind blessings that you've blessed us with. We thank you for this class and the ability to meet here and uh, uh, share in your word, to study your word, and to just contemplate it. And uh, thank you, thank you for the precious word you've given us. What a gift and a treasure it is. Uh, help us to handle it properly and to uh, uh, be careful with it. It is something that we should cherish all the days of our lives and never treat it flippantly. So may we each have that attitude. Thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, one more thing before we start is I have um, Stephanie who attends online. She um, sent some things for the church and um, uh, it, just a box of the coolest things. It's just wonderful. And um, she had them done, a friend of hers did them. And she says, I'm not asking you to promote her site, but I have to because they're such neat things. They're all over there right now. But um, it's Custom Cretes, K-R-E-A-T-E-S. So Customs, U-S-T-O-M, K-R-E-A-T-E-S.com, CustomCretes.com. And it, you know, it's like uh, you can have shirts made if you want to upload something, shirts, and just all kinds of stuff though. Um, it, pictures and um, uh, you know mugs and I, just all kinds of stuff and they all came in and they're very nice quality um, floor mats all kinds of stuff so if uh, you are looking for you know gift ideas or something go to that website and uh, I just am so thankful for the things she sent because they're all uh, related to the church with the exception of two of them a couple chihuahua shirts and uh, uh, but other than that very very nice and so I wanted to thank her for that and also give her friend a plug and uh, once again, she didn't ask me to do that. I just I think it's necessary because they're really, really well done things. Okay, so we got that out of the way. We got this. And what is, why is this here? Um, okay, I guess that's it. That's all of the notes. I thought it was thicker than that because I printed off a bunch yesterday, but I guess I didn't print off as many as I thought. Okay, so we are in the book of 2 Thessalonians, and we're in chapter 3 now. No, we're in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, 1 Thessalonians. Did I say 2? You do. You see, that's my problem. I say Peter is Paul, and I say that uh, David is Solomon, and I do it all the time. So um, we're in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 4. Okay, hang on one sec. We, wait. 
Can we help you, ma'am? Can we help you? Uh, we have, uh, we're celebrating Mother's Day today. The woman that just walked in, um, her middle son turned 60 years old today. So it's Mother's Day. And uh, yeah, imagine that. So that's how I knew it was the 27th today is because it's Mother's Day. So uh, happy Mother's Day to you. 60 years ago, um, uh, her, fa her favorite son was born. Uh, and she makes no bones about saying that. Okay, bones? Is that a joke? I didn't even think of it, but my, my middle brother's name is Bones. That's what we call him. It's not his real name, but everybody calls him Bones. And so that was kind of a pun, even though I didn't think of it. But yeah. Okay, here we go. We are in um, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 4. I'm going to start with 3-1, just to bring us all up to speed. So, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens, too. We sent Timothy, who was our brother, and God, God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, three, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. Four, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. As you well know. Okay, this one says, for in fact, we told you before, when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened, and you know. Okay, so he's writing them, and uh, I must have torn something in my shoulder because it's just killing me today. But, um, so if you see me doing that, I'm, I'm not looking for sympathy, I'm fine, but um, I just want to apologize. Anyway, um, uh, what was I going to say about that? Anyway, oh yeah, we've got a little competition going on here because we had somebody fill in for Jim last week and I got thousands of emails about the quality reading that we got. <laughs> and so uh, you may lose your job if he decides to not go back up to Fort Wayne. He may replace you. Hey, we tens of thousands of emails. You could do it from Fort. Yeah, you just have like a three-way uh, web web webinar. We okay, uh, three four. Yeah, don't go away anymore. Yeah, just stay here. Um, okay, three four. Paul begins this verse with four. In this, he is confirming why no one, his words, no one should be shaken by these afflictions. Now remember, he uh, uh, wrote this to the Thessalonians, and if it wasn't true then they would have said everything you've said isn't true and they would have taken the letter and thrown it away so when he says these things as you know it means that they knew and the letter is self-validating and when you read the book of actually most of his letters do this but when you read one thessalonians again and again he keeps saying these things that if it wasn't true it would not have been saved as a letter it would have been thrown away so this is a self-validating letter but We'll go on. Um, uh, they're shaken by these afflictions from the previous verse. He told them also that as a body, we, his words, are, are appointed to this. We're going to have troubles. We're going to have afflictions. We're going to have trials. We just read a list of things of faithful Christian people that are suffering right now. Some of them may not make it. If they don't make it, they are Christians. They will be uh, saved they're not going to lose their salvation they will be with the lord and we will all be together again someday but we would pray that they would you know stick around longer it's totally up to the lord but our prayers are that they would stay and continue to be with family and friends anyway uh, we don't have control over this all we can do is ask the lord but we are appointed to these things this is the context for the word for that he begins with from there he adds in the fact uh it adds in 
he says, in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation. Okay, he didn't hide it. He, it wasn't like people come into church on Sunday morning and they say, you know, if you come to Christ, your life is gonna be so much better. You're just gonna have great times and you're gonna be free from all the burdens you have. If you walk into a church and you hear that, the best thing to do is to get up and walk out, okay? The world is filled with trouble. Now, one thing that happens, and it happens every time somebody new comes to this church, that is, they just see the sign and they walk in. Uh, we get into the, uh, the uh, CG report and about 65% of the time, they get up in the middle of it and they walk out, okay? And the reason why we do these reports is so people know what is going on in the world, okay? We're telling you that this is the state of the world. Some people don't want to know that. But if you don't know that, you're kind of living in your own bubble without actually, you know, being a part of what is going on and understanding the times. Because as things continue to devolve in this world, it is going, it's not maybe, it is going to affect us personally if we're not taken out of here first. Right now, we're still in a very nice state. Other places in the country, not so much, but we're in a nice state. We've got a good governor. We've got things that move well, and there's not a lot of problems. All it takes is one election for us to be just like it is. Uh, one of my friends is out in um, Portland, and he was going to his job today, and somebody spit on him as he was going into his business, okay? It's his business, it's not like his job, okay? And he said, you know, the Lord, uh, if he is testing me, he's doing a great job of it. This is the third time I've been spit on and something else, I, I can't remember what it cost it or he said something else, okay? And that's normal life now in a city that was once beautiful. It is, we are in this state and the other states that are happy right now that don't have these problems, we are one election away from that. Right. Now, if you don't wanna hear that, but you want to attend this church, then you just turn on the uh, 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 stream online or come in here an hour later, which some people do. Some people come in for the sermon, but they do not come in for the update. And I have no problem with that. It doesn't bother me at all because I understand that attitude. But Paul is telling them 2,000 years ago, when things were not that bad, that you will suffer affliction, okay? And uh, this is the world that we live in. And I'm not gonna hide that from people. I'm never gonna tell people that your life is going to be great and you're gonna be free from troubles if you come to Christ. I, it, it's exactly the opposite and it's getting worse by the day. I mean, churches are being burned. We saw that last week in the report. Churches are being attacked uh, much more per month, over month, over month than a year ago. And this is going to become the standard. It's not going to be the exception. It's going to become the standard. And so we have to be ready to accept these things in the world we live in. And Paul was very upfront about that. He didn't hide that. Yes? He, it's just his business, and it's Portland, and there's people sleeping in the streets. They're on drugs. They're they're, and so they just. It wasn't because he was a Christian. It's just the world in which we live. Now he does. This is one thing he does do. He plays the superior word and other people's sermons all day long in there. They come in and they're going to hear about Jesus, and so he he says, "I blast it out." Okay, that's his choice. But in Portland, there's just drugs everywhere. There's crime. There's, you know, Antifa's got its foot in. And I, I was thinking, how do they benefit? How do these leaders benefit by having chaos? 
And I just don't get it. But they they don't take care of criminals. I don't know if you saw in, uh, I think it was California, the guy might have been Portland too. It was somewhere on the West Coast. The guy that um, beat the... Uh, the guy with the club a week or two ago, uh, right out in the street. It happens all the time now. Just it's people so are common. being it's oh, so very common in these cities. People come up and start hitting him with clubs and with steel rods and stuff. The guy defended himself, and now they're going to drop the charges against this guy, which has attacked several people, and they're considering charging the guy that was attacked. It, 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 everything is upside down there. Everything is bad. Well, like I said, this is coming around the whole world. So. Just be prepared for these things. I don't want to dwell on it because we get enough of this on Sunday. But uh, it, Paul was up front with them. We need to be up front with people and not tell them that your life is going to be roses if you come to Christ. But your life will be better in the sense that you will have a hope that this world does not provide. And as things get worse, okay, that hope is only going to be gleaming all the brighter because you're going to see misery. You're going to see people that are just look there's just no hope I mean look at how they're raising children in the school systems now and what's going on without Jesus there is really there's never been hope but now it's just despondency it I, I don't know how people function in this world without knowing Jesus anyway we'll go on um, let's see here right in fact we told you before this is what he said when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation as always, Paul could not write this to the church unless it was true. If they were never told this, they would read the letter, look at one another in surprise, and comment, he's been drinking the funny juice. I mean, that's what they'd say. He never said that, but he was upright and upfront about what he wanted them to know. Trouble is coming if you come to Christ. Be ready for this, okay? Uh, but the words themselves bear witness to the fact that Paul and his associates had warned those in Thessalonica of what lay ahead. They had warned them. When the tribulation came, it became a confirming note to them that what they were experiencing was meant to be. In fact, Paul goes on to say, just as it happened and as you know, or and you know. So he told them it was coming. They would have these difficult times. And, you know, this is not really prominent in the United States right now. It is prominent in some parts of the world, but I became a Christian, okay? And then mom and dad are upset at you. Well, why would you do that? You know, especially with what they say on the news about Christians. They're literally, if you've seen some of these people, I, I don't know, I don't want you to watch them, and I hope you don't, but if you're watching these like The View and some of these things, they are literally saying these right-wing Christians, and they're equating them to Nazis openly right on TV. They're doing this, okay? They're saying these things in these, these morning talk shows and things. This is the thinking that is permeating the news. And because it's the news, it's permeating the minds of the people that are watching that news, that have been watching these same shows, you know, for 40 and 50 years. And so they just, they're, they're, it's being saturated into them, okay? And so this is the thinking that Christians are the problem happened at Paul's time, it's happening here in a nation which it wouldn't have happened in the past, okay? But it is. And so be ready for this. Be prepared for it. That which has been will be again. That which has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun, says Solomon, okay? The persecution is coming. And like I said, we're just one, one election away from it here in Florida. And it, just think of what it would have been like if that crack-smoking guy 
had won instead of DeSantis. Oh, right. We'd still be under lockdown. Three years later, we'd still be under lockdown. Okay? Uh, it, it just, but for some reason, we've got a couple little bastions of normalcy and a, a sea of craziness. Anyway. You were very um, generous describing uh, Yeah, I have to be because we're streaming live. Um, no prophecy was needed for this. Paul's words. He didn't need to prophesy over it. He had been a persecutor of the church, and he had been persecuted after coming to Christ. As he evangelized, persecution faithfully followed him, trying to despoil his efforts. Right now, I'm typing the Acts 16 commentaries. Last week, I talked about the girl that was proclaiming, uh, you know, this man is trying to show you the way to the Most High God, and Paul finally turned around and rebuked her. Well, since then, this morning I typed that they're in prison. They've been beaten. They're in prison. It's dark. The, uh, they had an earthquake. Okay, after the earthquake, the prison doors were opened and the chains were loosed. The, uh, the uh, jailer came in. He looked. The prison is open, and he pulls out a sword to kill himself. Okay, and what did Paul do? He said in a loud voice, we're in here, don't harm yourself. Okay, and then this morning I typed the commentary on the verse where he falls before them and he says, and then he falls before them, terrified. He gets up, he takes them out of the cell and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay, that is what we need to be ready for, for all people. We need to be ready to tell them during times of crisis, during times of persecution, like Paul was seeing there in Philippi, here's the answer to the dilemma, okay? I'm being beaten. My back is torn open. Why would anybody want to follow me unless what I was saying was the truth, right? right? Okay, and so this guy obviously understood that this is the truth, okay? And uh, it's funny, I'll tell you a little bit about the commentary is that uh, uh, these are people that are in prison, okay? He's been told put them in the secure place. He's got them in the, the prison. And uh, uh, the first thing he does when he addresses them is he calls them kurioi. Not just sir, he calls them like master. He elevates them above him when he is the jailer and they're the prisoners. So uh, if sirs, yes, is the word that we translate it as, but uh, the word literally is a, uh, a word that exalts you above somebody else. We would say sir kind of on, you know, sir, sir to each other, but this is like a servant speaking to a master, okay? It's also the same word, kurios. Kurioi is the, the plural, but kurios is the word that is used when we speak of Lord Jesus, okay? And that's what he did. He exalted them when just a couple hours before he was locking them in the prison. Anyway, um, uh, Paul had been a persecutor of the church. Each new convert was a person who was set for tribulation. The warning was given because it was an expected and customary part of this new faith. The devil wants it destroyed, and so he uses all means possible to have it ended. Attacking new converts is one expected and surely effective way of this coming about, unless they're told in advance. I mean, Paul was very careful to say, you know, these troubles are going to... But, you know, you've got to be careful uh, with this attitude. And the reason why I say that is because the most persecuted group of people on the planet in their minds in their minds not real but in their minds we are the most persecuted because we are following the true faith is the Jehovah's Witnesses 
I believe me. They uh, oh read their uh, tracks and their watchtower stuff and all that nonsense. And and we are the ones that have faced persecution since we were uh, brought in since in our inception, and we've uh, you know been hounded ever since. And blah 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 blah. In their minds, they are the most persecuted group of people on the planet. So you can't just use persecution as a proof that you're following the right path. Right. Okay. But Oh, of course they haven't. Uh, yeah, like, no, they, they're, they're ignored, they're laughed at, you know, but they're they're certainly not persecuted the way that in their minds they think they are. I mean, it's just like, that, you know, they're living in this little this little bubble, and they just well, have that thing. Well, they're replacement theology. Well, yeah, but they're, they're, they're not just replacement theology. They're crazy, okay? Well, I know. I, was, yeah. I, I sat in there for three months with them, and I know exactly. They're just... It's like any cult. You get King James Onlyism, you get JWs, you get any of them, and we are the group. We are the special group of people, okay? And with that, of course, comes thoughts of, well, we're better than everybody else, but they don't like us, and therefore we're persecuted because of it. Even King James Only people get that in their heads. Like, mm -hmm. uh, So you got to be careful with that, but the fact is that if you are a Christian and you're a faithful Christian, you are going to, in the future, be persecuted. America's been in this bubble all of these years. We've been a very, very Christian nation. We've had Christian morals. We've had, you know, I think of like a World War II. And the you all have seen the picture. If you've watched any war documentaries, and I've watched every World War II documentary ever filmed, I think. But uh, the one where, I think it's the U.S. Midway. It's one of the, uh, one of the uh, aircraft carriers. And they, uh, they got hit by the kamikazes, and there is a Catholic priest, I think. He may have been a Baptist. I don't remember. But he, he's doing this over a person that is about to die. The guy is dying right there, and he's praying over him. And that has made every documentary on World War II of the Navy part of it, you always see him. It was that prominent and that preeminent in the thinking of Americans that there is a person that needs to be prayed over and we have a chaplain on the ship that is there to pray for him. And if you see it, you'd know it immediately. You'd know it. It's just a very common thing. They put it in every single clip. That's how prevalent Christianity was. Every ship had a chaplain. Every unit, even when I was in, in the 80s, probably you too, every single unit that you were in had its own chaplain. If you had a base chaplain, you had uh, other chaplains around the base, they were everywhere, okay? And now, what did we see last Sunday? They're getting rid of the chaplains right. and they're hiring secular chaplains, people that don't even believe anything. So what I am saying is, the way it is going to be. We have been in a bubble, and what we're reading about here, you say, well, that's not really reality. It is reality. We are the ones that have been in the bubble, okay? The world is catching up with the way things were with Paul. Anyway, um, uh, so the book of Acts shows this persecution. Like I said, we're in Acts 16 right now, if you want to start. I was thinking today, I love this study of Acts so much. I have enjoyed it so much. We're in chapter 16. We got to get up through chapter 28, which is uh, 12 and a half more chapters. We got to finish. Okay. I was thinking I would love to just stop whatever we're doing and have a recorded copy of the Acts Bible study. But I thought it's going to be almost 2,000 pages and we would never finish it in my life because we finish one or two verses a week. Okay. And so we would never finish it. But it is to me the most exciting study that I have ever done. Ever. I, I love it that much. Second lap. 
Was it? Yeah, it's a second lap too because we did it in class before we started filming. I think we got the last three studies or something up on the film, but it took us about two years to get through, and that was without any notes at all. But uh, I'm I just am loving. Acts was never a favorite of mine. I just know that it is the pivotal book. If you want to understand what's going on in the church, you've got to have an understanding of the book of Acts. And so I would recommend that if you want, you can start reading it. If you haven't read the commentaries, I can send them to you in word format and you can just read it. It's going to be about 1,200 pages, but I'm sure you'll enjoy it. It's just a great, great book. So filled with information. Um, anyway, um, so I won't do that because we would just never finish, but I would love to just go and put this on a recording somewhere because it's, what a great book. Anyway, but we have it on recording because Daniel does it, Joey puts it up, Wade puts it up, so we got different mediums that people mm -hmm. have it that they can follow with it, but it, what a great study. What I just love the book of Acts. Anyway, the book of Acts shows us persecution and the epistles warn us of it even to this day, but there is a way of standing firm against it given in the epistles as well. If we read and study the word, we will be able to stand against these things firmly and without wavering in our faith. The guy that I talked about out in Portland, he stands firmly without wavering in his faith despite the fact that he's having all this grief out there. And, you know, I know he wants to, to sell the business and move. I, he's said that to me several times, and that's why I'm not giving his name is because I, I don't want to give out more personal information than I should. But um, he wants to be out of there. And my thought this morning was, who would want to go there to buy a business? <laughs> you know, why would anybody move to Portland at this point? It'd be like moving to Seattle or, or to, uh, to San Francisco. It, it, they're, they're totally crime-ridden. Downtown is completely destroyed. And why would anybody want to move there? I just, I, I can't even imagine that. But I did, I don't, did you see, have, did you go down this way? Which way did you come? You came this way, didn't you? What, okay, what I would like you to do is when you go home, drive down that way, just past the laundromat, the old laundromat, I walked by it today, and it looks like when I was a little boy. It was painted with the old Florida blue color. It's so beautiful. I walked in there and I said, he said, what can I do for you? I said, you can't do anything for me. I want to do something for you. And I thanked him, and then I started talking to him, and I said, where are you from? He says, well, I'm from Vietnam. And I said, well, yeah, but, you know, I bought this a couple months ago, and I said, it looks so nice. So while Portland is falling apart, Literally, okay, people are doing stuff here. I mean, it's being built up and things are, are getting done. But I, I do say this, you know, cautiously that it's just one election away from turning into Portland. So whatever. Anyway, just be, be advised that wherever you are, have your knowledge of the word, okay? Have your knowledge of the word. You will be able to stand firmly even when these things come. If you don't have that, I don't know how people will survive through persecution without understanding the word and understanding. Now, some people's faith is so simple. Their faith is so simple that even without the word, they just love Jesus completely. I know people like that. They really don't know scripture at all, but they just, nothing will shake their faith. And I do know people like that, okay? They're, they're not theologians. They don't read the Bible a lot. They're just not geared for that, but they are so simple in their faith um, when I was driving over here uh, this afternoon, uh, the centurion wanted to be um, his uh, servant to be healed. And Jesus said, okay, I'll go with you. And he says, no, don't come with me. 
Just say the word, I'm also a man under authority. When I tell somebody to do it, they do it. When I tell somebody to go, they go. And, you know, he was basically telling him, I know that you have the power from where you are right now to speak the word and it will happen. And Jesus said, how great is this man's faith? Even in Israel, I have not seen faith like this, okay? He was complimenting a Gentile of the great faith that he had. That guy's faith would never be shaken, ever be shaken. And plus, he got a little bonus because his servant was healed at that hour of the day. Uh, when he went back, he found out. Okay, so um, uh, some people don't need to know the word, but I, I personally, if I don't have this word with me every day, if I'm not reading it in the day and at the night, I am not a happy person. And Hedico knows I'm a grumpy person all the time anyway, so poor lady has to put up with me 24 hours a day. But this, this word is the one thing that keeps me from going absolutely bonkers. Okay. But you know what? It's the um, it's not so much shaking your faith. It's people that want to kick the stool out from underneath. Oh yeah. By saying, well, that can't be true. And that's it's like, right. It's like, well, and if you don't know the word, then right. your faith can get kicked out of under you that way. Right. So that's true. Uh, there's something to be said about being well versed in the Bible, and when somebody challenges your faith, uh, you know, like you get these. Uh, uh, Luke and Matthew. One of them says the robe is scarlet, and one of them says it's purple. Okay, and people will try to challenge your faith and say, well, see, there's a contradiction in the Bible. Well, you know what? That's not a contradiction because the same word means different colors. Uh, they, how people describe, I was watching a YouTube video recently. Some cultures, we think of color and we think of this is uh, green, this is blue. This, some cultures only have like five colors that they can identify. We have hundreds of colors. We go down to uh, the paint store and we have, the, they don't work that way. And so one word will define a whole array of colors and that's all they use. This is very prevalent in Africa. They have apparently a, a, a set word that describes all these colors and they don't worry about all the, the divisions that we do. And so you take purple and scarlet and you have one word to describe both of them, it doesn't make any difference. Or if you have two words that describe it differently, it doesn't make any difference, okay? Don't let people shake your faith over something stupid like that because people are describing something. Now, here's a good example of that one right here. My wife had her house painted. It's not that color anymore. If you look closely down at the bottom where the, 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 um, uh, the dirt you know, gets washed away and you'll have like an inch or two of our old color. And some people will say, that's pink. Like my neighbor, he says, well, I don't mind you have a pink house. He was mad at me about something one day and he says, I don't mind you have a pink house. And I said to him, my wife says it's coral. And so you got different words to describe something. And he looks at it as totally pink, which it wasn't even close to that. And it also wasn't orange. So she calls it coral. So she can identify something that this guy can't identify and this guy can't. But there you go. Don't let people tear your faith apart. If you see something or if somebody challenges you, I guarantee you this. After 2,000 years, every single challenge that has ever been made against the Bible, somebody has written down and analyzed it. There is an answer for that challenge and you can get that answer. Instead of pulling on your face and being worried, just go on to something called the internet. And there's a, a, a search engine called Google. So you go to Google and you use your fingers and you type onto a keyboard and you say, why does this say this in Matthew 27 and this in Luke? And there will be an answer. It will come right up in front of you. You and actually say, answered it. Well, yeah. I'll They're do both that. guys. 
Yeah, they're both guys. Anyway, uh, so there you go. Uh, just don't let people shake your face. It's purple to me. It's purple. It's no, it's, not. it's scarlet. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, there you go. Let's see here. Um, uh, there's a way of standing against that, which is being in the Bible, and that will keep you from wavering in your faith. Life application. A believer who is not persecuted in some way for the faith is no threat to the devil's influence. Now think of that. The devil does not want the word of God being shared, okay? His main goal is to take as many people to hell as he can, all right? And if a person is just not out there saying anything about Jesus, he is no threat to the devil, okay? It doesn't mean that that person is going to face persecution because he's a Christian. It means that he is not doing his job as a Christian, okay? So, uh, in other words, they are probably ineffective Christians who, are, who have accepted Christ and then who do nothing for him. The more we are willing to step out and proclaim Christ, the more we will be the brunt of jokes, the target of attacks, and the focus of the devil's attention. Let's get that sorry fellow a black eye for his efforts, meaning the devil. Let's give him a black eye. Okay, so having said that, um, uh, if you're the brunt of jokes, you're the target of attacks, and you're the focus of a, the devil's attention, I will tell you one more thing that you are if you are faithful in telling people about Jesus. You are the first person that those same people will come to when they have trouble in their life. Okay? They're going to malign you. They're going to say, hey, he's a stupid Christian, and blah, 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 blah. And as soon as their life turns to misery, you are the first person that they are going to come to because they know that you are grounded. They th Listen, this happened to me when I ran the wastewater plant on Siesta Key. It happened time and time again. They would do anything they could to trip me up. They would try to get me to get angry. They would try to get me to, you know, whatever. They, they, it was constant, and it was just in fun. I grew up with half of them because I worked there in high school, and I came back 20 years later, and they're still there, okay? But um, most of them did it in fun, but they would do anything to trip me up. And they would joke, oh, you know, Puritan Charlie and blah, 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 blah. I had almost every single person in that, and there were probably 30 of them between the field crew and the, uh, the uh, maintenance crew and the operators, there were probably 30 people. I had every single one of them, minus one or two, that came into my office at one time or another, closed the door and said, Charlie, can I talk to you? And I wasn't their boss. You know, I had like eight operators under me, whatever, and a maintenance guy. But other than that, they all had their own bosses for the field crew and for this. But every single one of them, minus one or two, came in and said, I need to talk. Can you help me out with something? They know that if you are sincere in your faith, you are, they can come to you and they can ask your opinion. Now, the same thing happened when I was on Facebook, which I haven't been on in years. But, you know, I have all these friends in Sarasota. And... They knew that I was a Christian. They knew that I preached at the Superior Word. And these are friends from high school. These are people that I met that are in Sarasota on Facebook. And, you know, they would eventually come to the house. And they, they Charlie, I need to talk. You know, I'm having problems with X. Okay? And they'd come and I'd tell them the answer. Especially when it's like boyfriend, girlfriend problem. And I would tell them, this is the resolution to your problem. And the number of people that took my advice, I could count on one hand. Sure. And there, there were probably 150 people at one time or another over the years I was on Facebook that came to the house. And they would say, well, you know, what do I do about, you know, we're having trouble with this this issue. They're not even married. And I, I would explain to them, I would tell them, this is what you need to do. And maybe five out of all of them did 
what I had recommended. And they're all back doing the same thing, same problems, because they are not willing to take this and apply it to their lives and put him first. So you guys have got a choice to make. The people online have a choice to make. Every day I have a choice to make. What is my priority? Okay. And if it's not this, it's going to be something else. That, it, that's all there is to it. You, it's either this or it's something else. So um, uh, there you go. Three, five. Three, five. Okay. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. Okay, this is really close. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. So, very close, couple different words. The words, for this cause, Paul's words are speaking specifically about being shaken by these afflictions which Paul mentioned in verse 3. He had told them such things would arise, and he knew that they had arisen. But just because someone is warned of something, it doesn't mean that that person will bear up under what he was warned against. Okay, that's kind of eight, 1 plus 1 equals 2, and that's kind of what I just talked about here. Okay, I did warn some people about the way that they were living. If they don't pay attention, and it doesn't mean that even if they do pay attention, it's going to work out every time. But um, uh, I, I can give this example because nobody knows his name, nobody knows the circumstances. But I knew somebody since I was this big, okay, literally, probably five years old. And I went to, uh, uh, I don't want to give too much information. Okay, we did things together when we were young. And he was a part of the 80s and 90s where money was really rolling in with stocks and bonds and all this and he was making $600,000 a year. Now we could say that oh, doesn't sound like a lot of money but when you think of it divide it by 12. He was making $50,000 a year when I was making in a year. A month. Thank you. A month. I meant to say that and thank you. $50,000 a month when I was making as a, a chief operator at a wastewater plant back then. Now you make more but I'm talking 15, 20 years ago, I was making like $34,000, and I was making good money. I was the leader of the place at the Gulfgate plant, okay? And it was a great job. I got overtime too and all that, but I think I was making $34,000 a year. So he's making more in a single month than I made in a whole year. And this is when money actually had value, okay? So, um, and when the ball dropped, he called me up and he says, I need to talk, came to my house, just like I was talking a while ago came to my house and it was about Christmas time and he says well I, I want to know you know what do I read to my kids about the Bible on you know Sunday or whatever day of the week when it's Christmas and I said okay read these this is the passage and I said you know and he started telling me a story he had snorted coke he'd you know done everything that he could do and when the ball dropped six hundred thousand dollars a year he didn't have any money in the bank. He was just thinking, tomorrow I'll have another 50000 coming in. He had nothing, so he had to move back in with his mother. His wife and his children, they all moved back into mom's house, okay? And I told him what he needs to do to make sure that he doesn't go back to the person he was. Once again, didn't happen, okay? The money starts coming in again. The economy starts going again. He's out doing the same thing as before. You know, Jesus says the, you know, the 
dog will return to its vomit and the pig will return to its wallow. You got to take the advice that is given or your life is not going to change. Then the advice may not work out for you individually, but it is certainly better than what you have been doing. Okay. And so uh, read that again. Um, he told them these things would arise and he knew that they had arisen, but just because someone is warned of something, it doesn't mean that that person will bear up under what he was warned against. Now, in this case, you know, obviously it's a little different context, but when you're told something, you're asking advice, the least you can do is at least check it out and see if it's going to change your life. Not just, well, it's too much work, you know, I, whatever. Okay, um, he was concerned and his concern, this is speaking of Paul, is reflected in the next words when I could no longer endure it. One could just imagine Paul fidgeting about mumbling in a state of anxiety, be anxious for nothing, Paul, at what may have happened to his beloved congregation. Paul says, be anxious for nothing, and then I know that he was anxious over the state of his congregation. That's why he said that. I'm trying to tell Paul, take your own words, Paul, and apply them. He and his associates had been driven out by the foes of the gospel. And he wondered if the congregation had seen this and lost hope. This is what he means by saying, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you. There could have been a false gospel introduced to counter the true gospel he had presented. Okay, I addressed this before and I'll address it again. Salvation is eternal, okay? Um, and I, I always use this example because it's a very easy one for, you know, we've got so many churches in the world right now. We've got so many uh, uh, different doctrines being taught just in Sarasota. There's probably 5,000 different doctrines being taught in 7,000 different churches, okay? But if somebody is a faithful missionary and he goes to Papua New Guinea to an area that's never been evangelized before and he tells these people the gospel in this village and they believe it, are they saved? Yes. That's what the Bible says. If you believe, you're saved, okay? They are, they are saved, okay? They will never lose that. God will not break his side of that covenant with them. However, the, as soon as they're all saved and things are really rolling and he's starting to work on a translation of scripture for them, he keels over and dies from malaria, okay? Next year, some Mormons come in and they start telling the congregation about Jesus that they preach, okay? If those people who've only heard the message from the first guy, they believe the gospel, are they going to lose their salvation because they are now being taught a false gospel? No. Absolutely not. But what about their children? When they start having children and the children believe that false gospel, those children will never be saved. And this is what Paul is worried about. He's worried about the continuance of the word so that the church will stand firm and so that the new people that come in will have the same salvation. I understand that people don't like to hear that. Well, they're believing in a Mormon God now. They believed the gospel. They were saved and they were sealed. If you have a problem with that, I would like you to take it up with God who wrote this book. They will not lose their salvation. They may lose their joy, they may get misdirected, and they may have children that never get saved, but those people will not lose their salvation. I'm sorry, if you disagree with that, go click on another YouTube video. That is what the Bible teaches. You are saved, you are sealed, and you are forever in Christ, okay? Anyway, um, uh, so Paul, he's uh, worried about that, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you. There could have been a false gospel introduced to counter the true gospel. 
There could have been false teachers who had more eloquent oratory skills who had come to steal them away. I bring that up all the time. And there are so many people on YouTube that speak so well. You know, it used to be you had to go to Christian TV. That's the only way that you'd find out all these other people. You had your preacher at home, and then you had people on Christian TV, and you'd turn it on, you'd listen, you'd say, well, my preacher says this, and they stop going to church and they listen to that guy. Why? Because he's got great oratory skills. It does not matter that what he is teaching is completely wrong, like the guy out in Texas I always bring up, okay? Completely wrong in his theology. He's a great orator, one of the best. And so people hear that, and they don't know this word. And so the next thing they do is they start listening to nonsense. Well, now anybody in the world can make a YouTube channel. And it, YouTube is just filled with all kinds of things. And people click on it. And I had a disagreement with somebody uh, with a video somebody sent me this week. He sent me a video. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is unbelievable. I was so mad after I saw this video. I went to the mall and I was stewing over it. I wasn't anxious, I was stewing. And I got home and all day long, I was angry about this video. Somebody had decided that the uh, term lukewarm in the book of Revelation that Jesus says, you are not hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. He tied it to the gospel of Luke, chapter 26. And he said, this is what he's talking about. Luke, warm. Luke says that these people will be blah, blah, blah. And he, completely abusing scripture. I sent him the word for lukewarm, which has nothing to do with Luke. And I said to him, this would be like somebody saying, okay, David, or is it David? Whoever, the Lord tells one of these people, I want you to hamstring all the horses. Joshua, they did that in Joshua. I want you to hamstring all the horses, okay? And, or maybe it's judges, anywhere, somewhere, they're told this, the Lord tells them to do this, okay? So, he comes back, He's told to go hamstring the horses. He leaves, he comes back, and he brings all the horses up, and he's got heavenly hands hanging on all of the horses. And the commander says, what are you doing? And he said, well, in 2,700 years from now, the word ham means pork. It means a, uh, the product of a pig. And so I hamstrung him. I strung a ham on the horses. That is what that person did with Luke Warm. Do you see how badly people abuse scripture? But he's standing there, he, he's not standing there, he's got a computer screen and he's, he's showing you how he analyzes scripture. And this is how he comes to a conclusion, is by abusing the word of God. I was so angry at what I was sent, I thought I'm not going to, but if I did, I would send that person that did that email, a personal email, or did that video, a personal email, and I would tell him how disgusting what he has done with the word of God is. To mistreat the word of God like that, and people believe it. Right. Because well, he, he's got a video that he seems like he knows what he's talking about. People are seeking because if times are bad, it's like... And they see something like to, that. Anything comes along that anything. sounds plausible. You have to be careful what you listen to and what you believe. You have to use a modicum of discernment when you're watching these things. Absolutely crazy. Lukewarm. Hamstrung. He told me to hamstrung him. I went out to the heavenly ham place. It's just crazy. Anyway, um, let's go on. I, I, now I'm angry again. I was literally angry just thinking, why would somebody do that to the Word of God? Why would they take this treasure and do that? Oh, anyway, um, let's see here. Um, false gospel tempter. Okay, here we are. Um, uh, there could have been doubts leading to distrust of the message they heard. The tempter has an entire arsenal of weapons at his disposal. 
which are intended to destroy the faith and to pull true believers away from what they had originally received. Okay, if somebody receives the gospel, it does not mean that they are going to be following the correct gospel all their life because Satan is there to tear them away from that so that they will be ineffective Christians. Okay, and once they're ineffective, Satan no longer needs to do anything to them. He doesn't need to do anything to them because they are not telling the gospel. They're doing something else and he doesn't need to worry about them anymore. Okay, the term tempter is given in this verse to show that his nature is not just one of tempting, but that is his constant manner of behavior. He tempts and he continues to tempt. With this constant attack, Paul was concerned for the people of the church speaking specifically of Thessalonica. Could they bear up? Had they borne up? He needed to know whether they had or, as if he says, our labor might be in vain. Okay, he was so concerned about this. Did everything we do with these people, all the trouble we went through, was it for nothing? Okay, he was truly concerned about that. This is Paul's heart. I've told them the gospel, they've accepted that. I want them to stay grounded in this word and not to be torn away by somebody else. All the effort, the love of his Lord and of the people he ministered to, the knowledge he had imparted, all of it was possibly washed away by the tide of the tempter's flood. If there was a chance of this, he needed to have his associates go back and to correct the situation if possible. Their faith, meaning the people in Thessalonica, was too precious to be lost, even at the expense of his own loneliness. And so he said, you guys need to go. I'll be all right alone. Just go. Check out these people. Make sure they're okay. All right. And, you know, I, I, when I don't hear from somebody that I hear from a lot, you know, I'll hear from somebody like once a week or something. And I'm not one to go out and ask people, are you still watching the sermons? I don't do that. Or if somebody's in the church and they don't come, I'm not like, you know, well, you need to come back to the church. I know pastors that'll do that. That's not my style. But at the same time, I wonder, are they okay? Is everything all right? And so normally what I'll do is I'll ask somebody just to find out if they're okay. If I know they're okay and they're not coming to the church, then I wonder, are they being pulled aside? Are they being pulled astray? Have they given up on their faith? And these things bother me all the time. I understand Paul's situation because it bothers me completely. As long as you're okay, I don't need to call them because they left the church for a reason or they stopped attending online for a reason. Whatever their reason is, that's their choice, okay? And my begging isn't going to do any good, so I don't do that. But I usually want to know if somebody's okay. So sometimes I'll email somebody that I know knows this person. I'll say, is that person okay? And if they say, yeah, he's fine, then I don't that's it. I just drop it and go on from there. I know they're okay, but I hope that they're following the Lord wherever they're going. If they started to go to their own church, you know, in town, great. Okay. I just hope that they will follow the Lord. This word is what they need to be in. And if there's one thing that you know I'm going to tell people is to read your Bible and to fix your eyes on Jesus. Those are the things that I want people to do. If they're doing that at another church, that's fine. Or but if they're not, I just it bothers me. Why would they walk away from, from the Lord? Why would they walk away from the Word? It just Anyway, life application. How concerned are we for those who are susceptible to being drawn away from the faith they once professed? 
Now, in the case of the uh, guy that sent me that video, I just feel terrible because he's not grounded in theology. He's a rapture guy. Every, everything I get from him is rapture, rapture, rapture. You're never going to get sound theology watching 8,000 rapture videos a week, and that is what you're going to get. You're going to get stuff like that because that's all. there's only a point where you can talk about the rapture only so much, and after about 10 minutes, you've said everything the Bible has to say on the rapture. And, but people want to talk about it constantly. That's all they talk about. Where are you going to go to stuff like that? Right. Well, it's this like, is uh, lukewarm. I need Sorry. more sensation. Yeah, sensation. How did he get, what, how do you describe uh, Revelation 3.16? How do you get past that one? I don't know. I didn't even watch it. It was one minute long. I watched 30 seconds of it, and well, I was so well, angry. Well, 3.16 just talks about how if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my Oh, mind. absolutely. Well. So and, what, what did he, oh, you, didn't, you didn't listen to No, word. I didn't. It, well, it was only a real short video, and it, it was okay. like a minute. He just cut out one little part of it, or it was just something he saw a minute long. And But doesn't matter. The first thing the guy said was, well, he's speaking to, he's speaking to the church. When he, Jesus is speaking in the seven letters, he's speaking to the church. There are times where he speaks about individuals or uh, individual issues. But for the most part, when he says, I'm going to take your lampstand, that doesn't mean you're going to lose your salvation, folks. He's speaking to the church. He's not speaking to any individual. Oh, you're going to lose your salvation. I'm take, we don't have a lampstand. The church has a lampstand. So everything has a context, but I don't know the answer to that because all I know is I listen to about... 30 seconds of this, and I was so mad just to just to abuse scripture. Uh, you know, whatever. And then, of course, people like that always have a donate button, and they have Patreon, so you can send them money and all that kind of stuff. Hey, we have no donate button on the Superior Word website. If somebody wants to help this church, they have to contact us personally, and then I'll tell them exactly what we do. But we've never asked ever for this church ever except for letters so that people would move in next door I don't know if you guys knew about that but we had a bar that was going to move into this right right here and so I asked one time I said please if you attend online send a letter so that we don't have this bar move in next door and people responded other than that we've never asked for anything because that is not the focus of the Word of God the Word of God is the focus of the Word of God. Okay, anyway, um, uh, how concerned are we? Um, yeah, the Bible does say that they will not lose their salvation, but it does note that they will lose their joy and also their rewards as well. Further, those with whom they come in contact with will never be evangelized if they have fallen away from their own faith. There are serious repercussions in allowing someone to be neglected in their young faith. So if somebody is new and you've brought them to Christ and you see them often, talk to them. I'll tell you who's really good about that is Sergio. If the people that he, you know, he's got something called Band of Brothers and they've changed the name and I don't remember what it is right now. About three or four years ago they changed the name, but it was where they would disciple young people. And Sergio sends out a message to these people every single day. Every single day. He's very good about that. Okay. Young believers need to be kept in the word. Anyway, uh, three six. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Okay, that's a long one. Sure but was. now that Timothy, see they said that one said Timothy now. This one says now Timothy. So um, throw Timothy. that away. I'm but kidding. Timothy. Yeah, well, I, I'm kidding anyway. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith, and love and that you always have good remembrance of us greatly desiring to see us 
as we also to see you. So it's the same words, it's just differently structured. Okay, uh, not much difference there. Okay, um, three, six. Paul's words of this verse, excuse me. Paul's words of this verse are as if a spring of cool water is brought forth in the midst of a dry desert, which he has been walking upon. There had almost been anxiety over the state of those at Thessalonica, and that troubled state had ended. This is, the, this is first felt in the words, but now that Timothy has come to you, come to us from you. Oh, come on in. Talking about coming from us to you. Come on in here. We got somebody, uh, he's uh, come to make us happy. happy. Make us happy. happy thank you. Thank nice. you, thank you. All right, just put it wherever and uh, we'll get to that. Um, uh, keep this guy in your prayers. I won't say what because I don't have permission, but he's got something big coming up in his life tomorrow. So uh, keep Tom in your prayers overnight, okay? Something big, and we'll hope that it happens. And I told him to call me. Call me if it does. So uh, he and his wife, wa and I met his daughter today, okay? She's sitting in there, and she skipped school, apparently, which I guess is okay nowadays. Um, but yeah, not only that, it was, it was today was uh, bring your child to work day. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I didn't get that part. I thought yeah. she was just skipping school. But No, please have some. Um, <laughs> uh, don't say it. Uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a day. day. Is that right? I'm a day? Amadea. Lover of the Lord. Okay, is her God's name. God's love. God's love. love. Okay, God. there you go. Uh, God's love. Day and then. Uh, okay, that's right. Uh, I'm a day. And so uh, she's 16 and I walked in and I'm thinking, who is this lady? I mean, she's all grown up. Do you have a shotgun? No. Okay, you should probably get one there. Okay, <laughs> sit on sit on the uh, on the um, just be porch. Yeah, just sit on the porch and clean it, and keep the guys away. Listen, I had a girl in high school. Actually, I've known her since first grade. We were in first grade, and we're still friends today. But uh, when she was in high school, her father was a cop. The first gun I ever bought was from him. He's a big guy. He was a SWAT member, the original SWAT team in Sarasota, and he. Uh, would do that. He would sit outside when somebody came to pick her up and he would have a gun and he would say, this is my daughter. And he just quietly, <laughs> yeah. Good you need to yeah. do that, buddy. She's a I lovely young lady. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, have a blessed evening and thank you. Yeah, right. All right. Like the what? There's a song about his daughter. Rock me, uh, uh, yeah, I know, and that's what I said. That's how I remembered the name was Amadeus. Amadeus. That's right. Amadeus. Yeah, very close. Very close that's name. A very rare name, and it's it's a Latin name, and it's from the love of the gods. Love of gotcha. Got very nice. Cool. All right, take good care now. All right, so um, let's see here. We'll finish this one, and then we're gonna have pizza. Um, uh, all right, so uh, Paul's words of this verse, I read that, okay. Um, and this is first felt in the words, but now that Timothy has come to us from you. His words of the previous verses highlight the stress that was felt. No longer endure it. Shaken by these afflictions, suffer tribulation. No longer endure it. Again, he says it, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. These were all things that he had just said. And all of a sudden, he says, oh, it's all okay. Each of these had built up a feeling which became determining factors in Paul's sending Timothy to them to ascertain how they fared. Upon the return of Timothy came relief. He had brought us, this is his words, brought us the good news of your faith and love. In this, the word faith is to be noted as a confidence in God. 
and in his gospel message concerning Jesus Christ, which gave them the ability to remain strong and fixed on the gospel. Despite what had occurred with Paul and despite his absence from them, they had maintained that. The love is certainly speaking of their love of Christ first and foremost, but it must also include their love of one another, which was able to strengthen them in pursuit of Christ. Now remember, they did all of this without the Bible. They were just there, they believed the message, and they were rejoicing over it, okay? So now Paul has to make sure that they are properly tutored because they got chased out of there so quickly there wasn't time for that, all right? And it must finally be referring to a love directed to Paul and his associates as well. This is evidenced by the next words, and that you always have good remembrance of us, okay? So that's his words to them, you have good remembrance of us, meaning you must have loved us, you were thankful to us for having shared the gospel with you. You know, there are times where you will hear somebody speak about the person that shared the gospel with them 50 years earlier, and they still think of that person, they still cherish the memory of that person, he may be dead a long time, they may have never seen each other again, but he remembers that person who was the one that led him to the Lord. Now think of that, okay? These people remembered Paul and they were, they were so thankful for the good news. The report is from Timothy, and so he conveyed it to them, what he heard and what he saw. Therefore, a good remembrance, Paul's words, goes deeper than just, we sure miss Paul and the rest of you guys. Although this is certainly the case, it must be inclusive of holding to the doctrine which Paul instructed them concerning Christ. Those precepts which had been given were being adhered to as if they were the instructions of God because this is what they are. When Paul spoke before they had a Bible, his words to them were what they needed to hear for their edification, for their understanding of Christ, and for their doctrine. Now we have the Bible. We no longer need to have revelation from God. I understand people disagree with that and they say we're still getting revelation and God is speaking to us in various ways and various, even the beginning of Hebrews says that's not true. God who in past times has spoken to us, blah, 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 now speaks to us by his son. Where is the words of his son recorded? Right here. Let's read that just while it's on my mind. Okay, it's, um, where is it? Uh, Hebrews chapter 1. It says, um, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Okay, that's it. He has spoken to us by his son and that's all we need. We have the word of the apostles which tell what they were told and their continued influence of the Holy Spirit because they were uh, chosen apostles to convey to us the word of God, that is done, the apostolic age is over, and so there's no longer a need for that. I know, I know that people disagree with that, okay, especially in churches where they make a lot of noises and sounds, and I had a friend, oh wow, talk about funny, I had a friend that uh, was um, with some people about a week ago, and these, uh, he, my friend, was talking to a couple people that he met about, he just met these people, um, uh, Anyway, these are Christians that he met up with, okay? And then some other people that he just happened to run into, uh, he started talking to them. They were British, and he was telling them about Jesus. And they were all excited about the message of Jesus. And then the other three Christians, I guess they were having lunch or something, 
they come over and one of them happened to be Miss Charismatic and started shaking and making all of these goofy noises and all this crazy stuff in front of him. And these guys, he was so worried that their testimony or his testimony was now tainted because of what these people were doing. And they were like, why would we want to be a part of people that are doing something crazy like that? Okay. That lady wasn't receiving any revelation at all from God. Why? Because she's speaking in crazy words and she's not following scripture, which is given by the Holy Spirit that says, if you speak in tongues, you have to have have a translator. translator. And so my friend, very tactfully, I wouldn't have been as tactful, but my friend very tactfully said, we hold only to the word of God. So when we go home to my house, I don't want you doing that around my wife because then I will have to talk to you about that in front of her and I don't want to do that. The Bible says there must be a translator and you didn't have a translator. He wasn't rude to her, he was Mr. Polite with this person. I would not have been. I would have said don't ever do that around me again because I was witnessing to somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ and you have shaken that witness in them. I would have been very angry. So uh, anyway, uh, you gotta be careful about handling this word properly and how you present yourself when you're talking about the gospel, okay? Um, Those precepts which have been given were being adhered to in Thessalonica as as if they were to the instructions of God because this is what they were or are. In being observant to what was communicated to them, they were demonstrating a good remembrance of Paul and the others. They remembered them, they were thankful for them, and they were holding fast to the word that they had heard. And finally, Paul notes that those in Thessalonica were greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you. That's his words. There was no animosity in them because Paul and his associates had left and gone on with the mission work elsewhere. They remembered the persecution and they knew that his departure was not a shunning of them. Okay, I'm going to tell somebody the gospel and then I'm going to leave. Well, maybe that wasn't the right approach, but that's not what happened here anyway. They knew that he had to go on and uh, it was a reasonable choice to make because of the persecution. They were led to Christ through their ministry and they had a strong bond of attachment to them, just as Paul and his associates did toward the church there in Thessalonica. Okay, really good stuff, life application. It can be very tough on a pastor to have those he ministers to suddenly turn on him over some minor point of disagreement. He spends his time counseling, preparing sermons, putting up with many issues of grief which arise, and so on. And yet, when such a time of disagreement arises, congregants will often get in a huff and go off to another church. If the pastor cares about his flock, he cares about losing them as well. He will carry the memory of those he served all his life, hopefully with good memories, not sad ones. So there you go. Heavenly Father, we thank you very much for the chance to come into your presence and to share in your word. And we uh, also once again lift up the people at the beginning that we mentioned, the many needs that were brought to us by various people. And uh, we ask that you will be attentive to them. And because uh, we have pizza from Tom today, we would like to uh, 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 lift him up and his big life change possibly tomorrow we would pray that that would be uh, something that happens and if not that you would still be with him and and, uh, help him to uh, uh, get this some other way but it looks like it is going to happen so we just pray that you will smooth out the path so that it does 
And Lord, we also thank you for the people that paid for this pizza. We had, um, let's see here, Lord, we had um, Joey and Dave and Katie, um, and then uh, that should cover them with what we have today. So we'll add in a little bit from Steve and Donna, and we have more from them coming as well. But uh, we thank you for these people that have uh, given for these pizzas, and uh, we're very grateful to you for them. And uh, so we ask that you bless it. We ask that you uh, uh, tend to their needs and their hearts as well. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank yeah. you for the pizza. Thank you. Have fun. Okay, here we go. Um, let me go ahead and uh, back this up. And um, uh, where is it? Break. Yes.